All right, we'll begin a new series today in Proverbs. We finished Galatians. I went back and counted 26 messages, I think. Started back in January. Obviously, there was a, a great hiatus in, <laughs> because of uh, COVID, but um, I was blessed by getting to study in depth the book of Galatians. Now we'll begin a series in Proverbs. Um, my plan is kind of to do six messages in Proverbs, and we'll see how that interfaces with elder preaching and with the upcoming birth of a child and with uh, Advent in December, um, but that, that's my plan for now, six messages in Proverbs, um, basically taking one or two liners, uh, crisp statements of wisdom from the book of Proverbs to help us practically in our daily lives. Um, since I've been here, we've studied five epistles um, from four different authors and two uh, minor prophets. I think Jonah was the hardest to preach, believe it or not. Um, and it's important when we go through the Word to look at God's fullness of revelation from a variety of genres. And so we will probably sometime in January begin Acts. Uh, and that is, of course, foundational as the historical ground for even what we're doing here and, uh, and historical narrative. And so now we will begin Proverbs as something really completely different, very practical, um, Old Testament, poetic, and something we need very much, focusing on wisdom. This is the time when we need much wisdom. Um, so our word philosophy comes from the two Greek words, uh, philo or uh, phila which means love, and Sophia, which means wisdom. So philosophy means love of wisdom. So I named this sermon uh, Philosophia, love of wisdom. Um, and this proverb tells us to chase after wisdom and to get it before we can get anything else. That's the most important thing we should get. And so uh, we will pray, and then we'll read the text. Our Father, wisdom begins and ends with you. You are its source. You are its subject. Turn our eyes upon Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In his name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the reading of the word. The proverb of focus this morning is Proverbs 4, verse 7. And I'll read from verse 7 through verse 9. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Amen. This is God's word. Uh, we like things simple, at least I'll speak for myself. I like things simple, so I want decisions to be black and white. Hold up the black card or the white ch- card and choose, yes or no. And so we tend to reduce complex issues to simplicities. The reality is that life is more like a complex painting. There are colors and they're nameable, uh, observable colors, but they're all mixed together with uh, intricate techniques and skills. We've seen badgets work outside. Uh, so the point is, uh, 
the objectivity of truth doesn't mean truth is always simple. That's why we need wisdom. We need to know what to do. We need to know what to make of the world. Uh, even when the answers we want aren't as simple or as attainable as black and white. Uh, we need wisdom to suss out complex issues surrounding the virus. We need wisdom to know how we should vote. We need wisdom, perhaps, to uh, in our lives to land on a, vaca- a vocation or even for minor life decisions. Which of the quarreling children should have the toy? Should we stay up and spend more quiet time with our spouse, or should we go to bed early because we're going to be tired in the morning? Should we invest our retirement savings, or should we hide it under the mattress? We need wisdom, and more than that, God says that wisdom is a great treasure. He says that whatever we get in this life, getting wisdom is better than that. So my prayer is that this proverb will help to stimulate us to be philosophia, to be lovers of wisdom. And as I said, in the coming weeks, I plan to look at these short one or two line proverbs. And I just want to use this first sermon in the series to define wisdom and to charge each of us to seek it and to invest our resources in defining it. So we'll look at wisdom this morning through three questions, Um, very simple questions. What is it? Why do we need it? And where do we get it? What is it? Why do we need it? And where do we get it? My favorite dictionary to use is the 1913 Webster's Dictionary. It defines wisdom as... Knowledge and the capacity to make due use of it. Knowledge of the best ends and the best means. Discernment and judgment. That's a good definition. Um, Some of the words in the Bible that are commonly used as near synonyms for wisdom are knowledge, understanding, insight, instruction, counsel, The things we notice right off the bat here with these words is that they all have to do with the life of the mind. For many in our day, the decision-making organ is the heart rather than the brain. I feel like is more commonly used than I think. I was talking to Brian on the phone yesterday and I said, I feel like that would be the best decision. Right after I'd written this paragraph, I caught myself and I was stumbling around coming up with a new word. Brian was probably like, what is, why is, (laughs) I felt guilty for saying, I feel like that would be the best decision. That's how we think. We think with our hearts, with our emotions. Wisdom involves more cogitation than emoting. Wisdom has to do with the life of the mind. However, knowledge and understanding are only near synonyms for wisdom. But we obvious, uh, it's obvious according to observation that there's a lot of really smart people who do a lot of really dumb things. So the first definition that I wrote down was knowledge applied. And that's pretty good. All the knowledge in the world doesn't mean anything if we don't apply it. Uh, but what about false knowledge applied? Is that wisdom? Or what about knowledge applied for unrighteousness? 
For example, you may know the guy selling you the car is telling you the truth. And if you apply that knowledge, you might be calling your mechanic in two weeks. That might be false knowledge. Or you might have true knowledge, but use it unrighteously. Maybe you know the clutch on your car is going out. Maybe a little suspect, but you lie and the buyer is buys your, your, your lemon. That's knowledge applied for unrighteous means. So we need to tighten up our definition a little bit, and I think Vodi Bakum got it about as close as we can get, is that wisdom is true knowledge applied righteously. And I might add that godly wisdom is true knowledge applied righteously because there's such a thing as worldly wisdom. Also, as Michael's been teaching us, we need always to look at the context. Sometimes in the Bible, wisdom does simply mean knowledge. Or other times, as in 1 Corinthians, it's talking about worldly wisdom. But generally, I think we can go with that definition. Uh, Godly wisdom is true knowledge applied righteously. So that's my definition, my working definition of wisdom. And the next question is, uh, why do we need it? Why do we need wisdom? So again, the verse for this morning The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Whatever you get, get insight. Whatever you get, get wisdom. All of the things you could possess to try to obtain, get wisdom first. That's what it says. Make getting wisdom your chief mission, which is a command that implies that wisdom is something that can get got. I kind of got obsessed with mine exploration videos for a little while. And some of these guys, they'll go way down in these dangerous mines and they're looking for genes. You find, if you find an, uh, one of these old pairs of Levi's, they can be worth tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. Or even think of the miners themselves. They dug deep into the earth to pull out valuable ore. As Job says, man assaults the flinty rock to pull out valuable treasures. But then he says, where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth, and it is not found in the land of the living. God instructs us here through his servant Solomon about the value of wisdom. A few parallel texts, Proverbs 3, 12 through 15. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. And Proverbs 8, 10 through 11 Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Get wisdom. Whatever you get, get wisdom. Get insight. This is really not unlike the passage from a few weeks ago from Galatians, where Paul charged the Galatians to invest their resources into the teaching of the gospel. Whatever you have, whatever you try to obtain, nothing can be more valuable than true knowledge applied righteously. 
But why? Why is knowledge, why is true knowledge applied righteously? Why is wisdom so valuable? First of all, those things we might want to chase instead of wisdom, like money, power, justice, vengeance, whatever it might be, those things come to us through wisdom. Chase money by applying knowledge unrighteously, Proverbs says you'll end up destitute. <laughs> but if you work hard like the ant, you'll have plenty. Try to find fulfillment through the adulterous woman. It says your, her ways lead to death. But you will find contentment in the wife of your youth. How many times have we watched our friends or our family try over and over again to secure satisfaction through means outside of God's principles? The outcome is predictable 99% of the time. 100% of the time if you count, count the next life. Our blessings are in many ways like watermelon seeds. The harder you squeeze them, the farther they fly. But if you cast them into fertile soil, we'll have an abundance of new seeds and fruit. And that was the brilliance of Solomon's request when he became king. That God said he could ask him for anything he wanted. He could have asked for riches or power, and instead he asked for wisdom. And he had more riches and power than anyone who's ever lived. And he was a sinner, gravely misused his wisdom on a number of fronts, but his life will stand as a testament to the power of wisdom until Christ returns. And it's not a guarantee. The thing we have to understand, and this is good to get straight out of the gate with Proverbs, is that Proverbs are not promises. They're general principles. They're not guarantees. They're Proverbs. They're pithy sayings. Generally true from observation, and usually they have to be balanced against another proverb. An example, uh, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Uh, universally true? No, not from observation. But a general principle, yes, especially when you observe the converse. Don't train a child at all, and when he is old, he will be a fool. A fool. Universally true? Pretty nearly. So the first reason we need wisdom is that principle that God's ways work. Generally speaking, blessing will come to the world. Now, a second reason why we need wisdom is that discernment is difficult. I mean, it's hard to make decisions. In a devotional prayer about wisdom, Tim Keller uh, offers this insight. He prays, Lord, I'd prefer if you would simply tell me what to do through some inner voice or some book of specific rules for every situation. Instead, I hear you calling me to grow into a wise person who discerns what to do. Help me to answer that call and give me understanding. That's valuable insight, isn't it? I was talking to another pastor friend about the difficulty of very specific application in preaching. We were talking about marriage principles, but it applies really to any sphere of life. 
The Word has given us a lot to go off of, many principles, many even non-negotiables, but to apply universal blanket applications of principles to every situation would be unwise. There are many difficult case-by-case circumstances in this world. And the Word of God gives us the principles to answer every one of those. But God hasn't given us a rule book with the minute details of every possible circumstance. If He did, it, it would be volumes and volumes. It would fill up more than the, every library in the whole world. What He has given us is far better. He's given us an inexhaustible wellspring of deep and profound truths. And as Christians, Holy Spirit illumined Christians, we have the wisdom to reflect on God's principles and to make decisions. We've been given the task to be image bearers of God in that respect. We're not animals who live by instinct. We are to exercise wisdom and discernment as image bearers of God as we exercise dominion over the earth. We could give many more reasons for why we need wisdom, but we'll move on to the next question. But in short, this is a summary. The two reasons we touched on are, number one, we need wisdom because God, God's ways work. If we want to have a blessed and happy life, uh, wisdom is the thing we should pursue. And secondly, we need wisdom because discernment is difficult. And, but it is also a part of our responsibility as image bearers of God. So when you give your children sage advice, uh, when you gently handle a difficult relationship, uh, when you decide how you will vote, when you carefully weigh all the tricky angles of a global crisis, or even when you simply follow the most basic biblical commands and principles, you are being wise and you are following God's mandate to be an image bearer of Him. The third and final question here is, where do we get it? Where do we get wisdom? I typed in the search engine, how to become wise. I was hoping to find an example of how not to be wise. I succeeded. I found an article. It was entitled, How to Become Wise. It gave eight suggestions. The first is, be honest with yourself. And be honest with others. Focus on the process rather than the outcome. Listen to the changes within yourself. Learn from mistakes. Have a sense of humor. Believe you have a contribution to make. And be kind to others. So that's psychology, uh, psychology Today's eight suggestions for how to become wise. I mean, not, not bad advice, really. I'm not really sure what it means to listen to the changes within yourself. But generally, I think those are sound and reasonable instructions. But did you notice they're all quite inwardly focused? They center on things you should do, things you should change, things about yourself you should focus on. Biblical wisdom never comes from inside. It never comes from the self. In 4.7, it's something we must get. Therefore, it's something we don't already have. Wisdom comes from outside of us. So, the work of getting wisdom really is in listening rather than doing talking. 
The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. So one great place to look for wisdom is from other people. We see this throughout Proverbs. One of the main focuses of Proverbs is a father instructing his son. One of the best places to look for wisdom is from parents. Perhaps you don't have parents anymore, but you are a parent. Proverbs 1.8 Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. Parents give instruction. Parents give guidance. Parents give advice and discipline. That's what parents are for. So if we parents uh, can give it, or if we have parents, we should seek it from our parents. I call my parents regularly for wisdom. Another category of people that Proverbs presents is teachers. Proverbs thirteen fourteen: the teaching of the wise is a fountain of life. That one may turn away from the snares of death. I think of teaching as basically passing along of obtained wisdom. Many of you or some of you are teachers. You've been formally trained. And then you can pass on that obtained wisdom, that obtained knowledge to your students. There's many other kinds of teachers. A master teaching an apprentice. Uh, A friend, perhaps, who's mastered a particular skill or, or craft. Or maybe a friend or family member who's overcome a trial that you're going through or a temptation that you're going through. There are many teachers to turn to in this life. Then there's counselors. Proverbs 24.6 For by wise guidance you can wage war. And in abundance of counselors there is victory. There's great, great reward in seeking multiple viewpoints. Other people think of things that you haven't thought of. More and more I find it's a great practice to just reach out and find a few other people to get their thoughts. Pride often gets in the way of that. We don't want people to have other ideas or better ideas than us. But even if our first thoughts and intuitions are correct, our viewpoints can be refined or perhaps corrected if they're wrong. In the last category that I have here, there are others, but is the elderly. Job 12.12, wisdom is with the aged and understanding and length of days. It takes years to obtain and to prove wisdom. One of the marks of usefulness is that we think we know everything. How many times I've been convinced I was right, only to look back years later and realize what a fool I was. And that older person was was right. Older people are not always right, but they've had more years to learn that no one is. Now, of course, if we're talking about where to get wisdom, the source of all wisdom is God himself. Job 12:13 with God our wisdom and might he has counsel and understanding I don't know this verse may have taken you off guard verse uh, chapter 4 verse 7 that the beginning of wisdom is get wisdom I mean the one we're more familiar with is the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the lord The truth is that both are true. 
The very start of the journey to get wisdom is the desire to get wisdom. To take a journey, you must identify the destination and take the first step. It's also true that the substance of wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord, a a holy awe and reverence for God. The God of heaven who made us, who sustains us by the word of his power, who will judge impartially according to each one's deeds. That's the very best and beginning of all the substance of wisdom. Any wisdom that does not include a reverence for the God of glory and power is foolishness. We speak eloquently and beautifully about the most profound truths in the universe. But if you speak them eloquently standing next to a hungry saltwater crocodile, you're an idiot. We have to have reverence for the God of all power if we're going to be wise. Now God gives us wisdom, first of all, through Scripture. So the first place to look for wisdom is the Word, is the Bible. Deuteronomy 4, 5-6, Moses tells the people, See, I have taught you statutes and rules, as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. There the source of wisdom is the statutes of the Lord. Same in Second Timothy 3.15. Paul tells Timothy, From childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation. In Psalm 19, verse 7, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So the Bible is the richest ore the wisdom miner could want. The veins run deep and wide, and every shovel load, every tiny nugget is pure, needing no refinement at all. second place we can look for to God for wisdom is in prayer. He promises that if we ask Him for it, He'll give it to us. James 1.5 If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and, will be, and it will be given to him. When Solomon asked for wisdom in 1 Kings, it says that it pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this. God is happy when we ask for wisdom. He likes that, and he'll give it to us. And that's an extraordinary promise, that if we lack the thing that's most valuable in this world, more precious than any finances or material blessings, if we ask him for it, he'll give it to us. That's almost too too good to be true. But it's true, and it is good. I actually find that to be a more comforting prayer than many of the other prayers that I tend to offer. I often find myself at a loss of what is God doing in this situation. I never know. Many times it makes more sense to ask for wisdom and clarity and the glory of God than it does to ask for anything else. So next time you bring your request before the Lord, do ask for mercy, do ask for blessings and for healing and for restoration and resolution, but also plead for wisdom. And once you have pled, don't sit and 
wait for a halo to descend upon your head. Or, or don't expect an angel to knock on your door with an envelope with the instructions for your life. Once you have prayed, start digging in the places where God has buried the treasures of wisdom. In Scripture, in other peoples, and in Christ Himself. Pray and seek. Another way that God gives His people wisdom is through the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, 12-13 Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. In Ephesians chapter 1, 15-17, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him. The only way we, the only way sinful men can have true wisdom, true knowledge applied righteously, is through the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit. Without it, we will not have the proper fear of the Lord. The image of God will not have be, be, uh, begun to be restored in us. The desire to do to the glory of God will not be in us. So we may be able to possess knowledge without regeneration, even true knowledge, but we will not be able to apply that knowledge to righteous ends. Therefore, we will not be able to have godly wisdom without the regenerating power of the Spirit. But by the power of the Spirit, we can read for ourselves and claim what Proverbs chapter 2 says, 6 through 10, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. The fullest revelation of wisdom that God has given us is in Christ. Jesus Christ, God incarnate, became a man. And as he was teaching, as we read in Mark 2, on the Sabbath he began, Mark 6, 2, excuse me, on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? And of course, Colossians 2. In Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Yeah. If that's true, if, if it's true that God created us to be his wise, discerning images on earth, and if it's true that we have tarnished that image by our sin, And if it's true that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, and if it's true that we are matured and sanctified into His image, and God's image is being restored in us through Christ, then it's true that godly wisdom is a result. 
Wisdom is actually one of the ends, one of the purposes of our salvation. God is producing in His elect the fruits of their salvation. Wisdom is not a merit that we present before God as one of the marks by which He would accept us. It is a blessing bestowed upon His people according to His own good pleasure. So wisdom is ultimately a gift from God. Proverbs 3 speaks of wisdom in a way that that rings of covenant blessing from the Lord. A blessing which also multiplies blessing. Proverbs 3, 13 through 18. Sounds a lot like Psalm 1 in many ways. Talking about the blessed man. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than the gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you can desire can compare with her. Long life is in her hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. So seek wisdom in Christ. Because all of the covenant blessings from God to His people are bestowed through Christ. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, including wisdom. Outside of Christ, there are no spiritual blessings, but in Christ is every spiritual blessing. So wisdom, the righteous application of true knowledge, there's no treasure on earth that can be compared with that treasure. Get wisdom. Whatever you get, get insight and seek them in Christ. Only in Him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Amen. Amen.